0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. What's going on with long-term care facilities here in the province of Ontario vis-a-vis the pandemic? And it's, well, it's not encouraging news once again. It seems as if a turf war is going on. You know, for the number of great people that are out there trying to champion this cause, and the government says, yes, we understand that there's a problem, we're going to do something about it. Uh, the inertia that seems to be prevalent here is just just frustrating, I think, for everybody involved. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on the program, we talked with uh, Dr. Amita Ray about this, and, well, he thinks the Ministry of Long-Term Care is in denial.
1: I get the sense that the Ministry is in, in a bit of denial at this point, and that denial is absolutely leading to death. I mean, the first step to sort of, you know, taking action is actually to acknowledge the problem. We have to acknowledge the extent of the problem happening in our long-term care homes.
0: What well, are they doing that? And uh, We're not seeing a whole lot of action here. Uh, so pleased to welcome back to the program Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos, who is a co-founder of Doctors for Justice and Long-Term Care and a professor at Ontario Tech University. Always a pleasure, doctor. Thanks so much for the time today.
1: Oh, I love talking to you. Thanks, Bill.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, the, <laughs> right back at you. Uh, We had some, or I thought was going to be good news a couple of weeks ago, and the province said, look, we're going to have this special team that's going to be going in there and looking at all these things, uh, and we're going to come up with some suggestions, and we're going to really get this thing by the throat, and we're going to do something about the problems in long-term care. Now we're finding out that they were basically told to stand down, that you weren't even allowed into these facilities. What is going on here?
1: I I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, every day there's a news story that I, I can't believe is actually a story. So, and unfortunately, like everything else, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. It's just another case in this particular situation. We had a team of of 25 to 30 highly trained infection prevention and control experts who were ready to go. You know, at at mid-January, who were aware of what was coming and was warning this government, you know, long-term care is going to be an issue here. Like, let us get into these homes. Let us help. And effectively, the Ford government said, no, you guys should just wait. Don't interrupt with the new, you know, condensed, quote unquote, modernized um, Ontario health. So these teams had to stand by, watch what was happening, note and predict exactly what was going to happen and couldn't help until what, the end of April. I mean, this is just state thinking negligence. I'm sorry. How else do you put it?
0: How do they get away though with kicking this thing down the road? When statistically, on a daily basis now, Vivian, we see you know, the, the 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 tragedy in these facilities is continuing, if not getting worse.
1: Yeah, you know what really frustrates me is that um, I knew the second that it, I think this was like last month that uh, Minister Elliot had said that the the vaccines are the new iron ring. At that moment, and keep in mind, I've been saying for months now that the you know they're they're not doing what they need to do to properly intervene to protect these seniors. And, and I've said for a long time that, it, in my opinion, it's because they don't want to interfere with the business of long-term care because the vast majority of homes in Ontario are privately owned. And there's lots of demonstrated conflicts of interest between the for-profit lobby sector and long-term care and the Ford government. I mean, five previous Ford staffers are now full-time lobbyists with the for-profit sector. I mean, give me a break. Um, but the fact that, you know, when she had made that comment last month, I just knew right at that point they're not going to do anything to actually implement the the changes that all the experts are calling for that can actually properly protect these seniors. They are waiting. They are waiting out the clock. Effectively, they are hoping that the vaccines will bring the numbers low enough down that people aren't talking about long-term care. And as I and I had the opportunity to speak to um, our prime minister last week, and, and what I said to him was my biggest concern right now. Is what happens when vaccinations are complete, which they almost are right now in long term care, because people are going to look the other way and pretend that the problems, the neglect, the abuse, the corruption in this sector are suddenly not a problem in there. And they are and they will remain a problem because vaccinations do nothing to account for the longstanding issues in this sector. The longstanding issues is this government refuses to act upon.
0: Well, uh, it, uh- yeah. i know and you've talked about that for uh, uh, many many years now but you know this what covid has done is it just it's shone the light on existing problems and of course it's made them worse too and yeah. and I, like, I understand that you know that you're not going to agree ev- with everything governments do i've got a lot of concerns about a lot of the things that the government's doing i mean, you know the the you know the assertion that they're in bed with developers and they're going to tear the green belt apart that concerns me uh because yeah. i'm concerned about the environment but this is costing lives yeah. i mean i mean what else has to happen for these guys to put this at the top of the the list
1: I, I listen at the at the end of the day uh, this government just does not care about the lives of seniors they they what I, I, I if you take a business approach these people aren't contributing to the economy they are deemed the lowest priority and even though these are the people that gave birth to these individuals in office right now and they would not be here if it weren't for these seniors forget that uh because they don't contribute in their way in this narrow-minded business sense You can Look what's happened. The least amount of resources has actually gone to properly protecting them. And and not only that, we knew what happened in the first wave was a a nightmare. But the fact that we did worse in the second wave, and we warned them, unless you learn from the first wave and implement X, Y, and Z, it's going to be a more disastrous second wave, given that we knew people were going back to school, the kids. We knew community transmission was going to go up. This was well predicted, and we just surpassed that that deaths. So now the deaths in the second wave are worse than the first wave. And that was completely preventable. The first wave we had, you know, global uh, PPE shortages. That explained a lot of those, you know, initial deaths in the first couple months. But there was no reason with what we had learned from IPAC to have that same failure, even worse failure in the second wave. And that is 100 percent because of inaction by this government to heed the advice of experts and implement what they needed to do. What else is it if not despicable ageism at its finest? Find me another reason why. It makes no sense why you wouldn't step up and help to save these lives and instead more deaths now than in the first wave, completely, entirely preventable deaths in probably 90% of the cases.
0: Well, and now right. they're talking about a possible third wave, too, and, and yeah. we, we know where that's going to end up. But, but yeah. the timing of this I find frustrating, though, and I'm sure you do, too, Doctor. Like, it was It's almost four months ago now uh, that, uh, that their own ministry set up this special board, and you know, they came up with interim recommendations. It was October 23rd of last year. Uh, and, and, and right near the top of that list was you've got to do inspections on these places. I know. You've got to hold these people accountable. They're still not doing that.
1: It is mind-boggling to me. And one of the biggest things we need to do is to ramp up inspections right now. You have a team of ministry inspectors. They should have immediately been throwing money into hiring more. They knew this was coming. Um, and yet they're still not doing them. And we know that every time an inspector goes in, and you got to wonder why this is why they don't want them in there, the same reason why they probably don't want the military in, and they refuse that help that we could have so desperately used, in, especially in January when the numbers were just exploding. Um because every time that the ministry inspectors go in there, you, we had the same situation with Sunnycrest, we had the same situation with tender care, we had the leaked paramedic reports with St. George, and again at Roberta's place. Every single damn time, preventable negligence, mistakes made by management, not properly training staff, not having proper PPE. I mean, this was preventable. This shouldn't have happened. Would you not want another stain on the collective record that is the atrocity of long-term care under the Ford government? What else is it? Because, I mean, clearly when when they get in there, we see what went wrong and we know. Do they not want that record out there for people to see? Because we all know the people that have been paying attention and listening to reports from the ground floor. We know that a lot of this was just preventable negligence by a lot of these predominantly for profit providers who didn't feel the need to spend any of their extra profits to properly protect these residents and to hire more workers and to properly train them and to get proper PPE in house. I mean, give me a break.
0: But we've seen some numbers of that. We already know, by the way, that a number of those uh, for-profit facilities actually dipped into the, 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 the government programs for, for oh, yeah. you know, salary relief and everything else. Uh, yeah. But they're not using it for that. I mean, I don't know where they're putting the money. It's not going into infrastructure improvements in the facilities, and it's not going into increased staffing. It's, 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 it's yeah. just it's crazy what's, what's going yeah. on here. And I, I, and I know you and I have talked about this in the past, and I, I, I don't think we're going to wake up one morning and the government's going to say, you know what, we're going to get rid of for-profit. That's not going to happen overnight, if it ever happens at all. But at least, if you're going to have this, there has to be compliance with the rules. And they're not even doing that.
1: No, not compliance with the rules. And we need stiffer penalties, right? So that the yeah. two things I've been calling for, national standards that will uh, address the fact that written violations do nothing to prevent the medical negligence leading to uh, countless deaths in this sector, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. I mean, who, whoever learned their lesson from a written warning on anything in life, give me a break. I, we need to amend the criminal code. We need heavy financial penalties against these providers that will make them learn their lesson where it hurts hit them where it hurts in the pocketbook and, and until they do that nothing's going to change nothing's going to change
0: you mentioned you talked to the prime minister and, and the thing i because we've talked about this the last time he was on the program I, we brought up the long-term care facility thing and it, the frustration here is essentially yeah. every time he goes to talk about this yeah. the, pr- the premiers tell him back off yeah. it's our responsibility
1: and, and not all of them. So, you know, what I get when I gathered from his uh, and I've had a few talks with people in his office is that he wants to help. But he, of course, is being he's having resistance from particular premiers. It being my guess is Ontario and Quebec. There's obviously and you've heard from comments in general whenever, you know, the premier talks about Trudeau and don't step on our turf, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's clear reticence to work with the federal government until you want their money with no strings attached. And this is what really frustrates me because our prime minister has the opportunity to say, okay, you know, provinces who want to get on board, let's do this, and I'll dedicate specific funding to provinces who want to actually follow these new updated standards. And we don't even need that many. We just need a handful of important changes that all homes have to monitor and have to abide by, and then you get that money. And then the provinces that don't want to play can be left out and then eventually the public you'd hope would would kind of force them into signing on to the deal because why wouldn't you sign on for better standards that would only protect residents and lead to a better quality of life for these seniors why wouldn't you sign on you look like an ass pardon my french for not signing on for an initiative that only seeks to help seniors Like, seriously, look at yourself in the mirror, all the people that do not think that this is an important issue and do not want to help and ask yourself, is this seriously the side of history you want to stand on? The one where you said, "Mm, nah, I don't want to put in place measures and I don't want to abide by measures that will actually protect our grandparents, our parents, the people who built this society. Shame on all of them. Shame on them all.
0: But, but the, and let's talk about the Ontario situation because you're right, I mean it seems to be Quebec and Ontario that are holding this up uh, and and the fact that as you say there's an awful lot of former progressive conservative members that are now in this industry uh, so the government is going to be reticent to do anything like that, I mean they don't want to enforce this because I know the song and dance that they're giving them they're going to say look if that's going to cut into our profit margin we can't survive, we'll have to shut these facilities down and they're already not enough of them as it is, so the government just backs off and says okay do what you want to do then and we'll just turn our backs
1: yeah, and that's just not going to cut it anymore. And if we keep allowing this to happen, I mean, wh- how can you get through what, what this pandemic, what we saw happen in long-term care, which is the national shame, if not the, inter- we're the international embarrassment, frankly. Um, we had some of the worst outcomes for long-term care across the world. I mean, we, we completely failed these seniors and the worst provinces that failed them. Ontario bar none, because at least Quebec, yeah, they messed up in the first wave too, but they learned. And they took decisive action so that they didn't have the same carnage in the second wave. We did nothing. We, we did nothing. I mean, you literally stand there, you wash your hands, and you said, meh, we'll just see how this unfolds.
0: You would think. You would think in circumstances like this, even the operators would think. You know what? Everybody's looking at us right now. We better get our act together a little bit, anyway. And then you hear a story like we have over the weekend that we covered here, oh. Doctor, that about basically taking the door handles off the the, the residents' rooms in a retirement home, uh, so, so they can't get in, they can't get out, they can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, that. My first reaction is, why didn't you just shut the place down? Well, we're, exactly. we're looking into it. We're We're exactly. looking into it. What
1: exactly. Yeah. And that shows you how ridiculous. And keep in mind, that was retirement housing. And retirement housing is a, it's an even greater Wild West of privatized, just nonsense. The amount of families from retirement home that, that reach out to me about the, the lack of actual super, proper supervision and oversight of that sector, because it's fully private, right? The, the province, unlike with long-term care, does not fund any of that. that. So it's completely a private industry so they can and they have been doing quite often whatever they want because the Retirement Regulatory Association has very little power to actually do very much, right? You know, even worse than the Ministry of Long-Term Care. And this is why you see cases like this where, frankly, that home should have been shut down. The fact that the, the management at that home or the, the owners said that they, they only put the supervisor who made that decision on leave. Uh, um, are you kidding me? Like immediately fire that individual. I'm sorry, they have no place working with vulnerable seniors. I mean, these were seniors who lived in the assisted living section of the home, right? So because retirement homes vary on the continuum of the level of care. Many are independent living, but many, frankly, should be in long-term care. But because there's no spots, they have to stay in retirement care even though they have some of the same sets of care needs that long-term care residents have. So this was the section of the home that had higher risk, um, medically complex individuals living there. The fact that you lock them in at their most vulnerable when they're COVID positive. And, and I'm asking the question, did anyone actually pass away when they were locked away in these rooms? And, and and then they have the nerve to say that no residents were harmed in this process. Are you kidding me? Has anyone ever locked themselves in a room? Seriously? Uh, and, and I only bring this up because me, the, the idiot over here, tried in a very, very ill-advisedly to change her door lock one time and put on a new lock, never doing that again. And I did lock myself <laughs> in my room. And the panic that I had from being locked in my own room, and I'm totally, it was totally healthy, you know, no risk of imminent danger or potential death from a COVID-19 infection. And I was so panicked. And that was only in there for like a half an hour. Can you imagine being at your most sick, potentially dying? This is a a very medically complex population: elders who have the highest risk of mortality from COVID-19, COVID-19 sick residents locked without the handles removed from their rooms so they can't get out. What level of, what point did you think, yeah, this is a good idea? I mean, I don't even know where to begin on how terrible that was. It was an egregious violation of human rights. It violated health codes. What if there was a fire? Oh, my God. The fact that somebody actually thought to do that and they're only put on a, a, on a suspension, and I'm sure it was probably paid, too,
0: oh, probably It's yeah.
1: ridiculous. It just shows you the lack of respect and value we place in our seniors, and not all of us, obviously, these providers who think that this is okay, and that is their idea of punishment. I do just put you on a two-week paid vacation. Get out of here. And this is why they've been allowed to behave this arrogantly with these four seniors' lives because there is no proper penalties to hit them where it hurts, and they never get shut down, and they just keep going and they get away with it. Something's got to change. I mean, this is ridiculous.
0: It's so wrong. Well, and, and if people think that's going to happen from this government, uh, we should mention, by the way, uh, that their, their com- commission, the government commission, uh, is still investigating uh, about these things, uh, although the uh, the hearings are not open to the public, uh, and their final report is not due until the end of April of uh, this yeah. year, so it's a couple of months away. That doesn't do a whole lot to instill confidence, does it?
1: No, and listen, the reports they've already put out, the interim reports that were telling them the various things they needed to do... Um, were pretty scathing against the government and yet they still didn't even implement the suggestions of the commissioner so it just shows you i mean like we didn't need another commission we didn't need another you know inquiry inquiry would have been better but nevertheless um we know what needs to be done we know what went wrong yeah it's nice to have an added record of just how terribly this government dropped the ball for these four seniors um and maybe it'll help families who sue uh, well despite bill 218 so don't even get me on that Um, because i'm pretty sure you'll be able to prove gross negligence with what we uh with the collected amalgam of the testimonies that were found in that in the long-term care commission but i mean i have no faith that this government will do anything frankly i'm that's why i've been pushing for national standards tied to money so because clearly money is the only thing they seem to care about so tie it to money you want the money play by play ball plain and simple
0: Uh, People want to get more information about this, just uh, Google Doctors for Justice and Long-Term Care, and there's some uh, interesting uh, links in literature there. Doctor, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, Keep fighting the good fight, and I know we'll talk again soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Take care. Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos, of course, uh, co-founder of Doctors for Justice and Long-Term Care. And the beat goes on, sadly, for the folks in the residence and the staff, by the way, in those facilities. But we'll keep talking about it. We're going to keep holding the government's feet to the fire on this as well. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.